0: The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician.
1: Hello, I'm Joe Schwab from Mass General in Boston, along with Larry Lowe, neurosurgeon from Northwell, and Dan Schuba, chief of neurosurgery at Northwell. And today we're going to be speaking about spinal deformity as it relates to oncology. Larry, what, what role do you, do you consider spinal deformity when you're approaching uh, oncology patients, say specifically in the, in the primary setting?
2: Okay, I think that as sort of our adjuvant treatments improve and patients are surviving longer and longer, we're actually able to achieve surgical cures for these patients. And what we've seen a lot is that they suffer complications from the fusion itself rather than the tumor recurrence in the setting of just sort of stabilizing across where we created an instability. So what we find more and more is that even for our primary tumor patients that they're all getting standing scoliosis x-rays or eos x-rays and we're actually using a lot of deformity principles as we take the tumor out and it's just not just just the tumor operation but both tumor and also deformity element addressing their underlying um, spinal
1: so in your in your planning in terms of instrumentation, but also in terms of uh, rod contouring and absolutely,
2: patient position? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there was a memorable case that we did a few years back where there was an L5 chordoma, and the patient had a really really bad sort of coronal plane deformity, and sort of the standard our standard approach would have just simply been like an L3 or an L2 down a pelvis, and we we spoke about the case and we're like you know. This patient's going to live a long time, so if we do our standard sort of standard lumbar sacral pelvic fixation, we're probably doing the patient a major disservice. So at the same time as the oncologic operation, we also kind of straighten the patient out and stop the fusion at the lower thoracic spine, which is something that we typically would not have done at least in the primary for a primary L5 chordoma. And I do think that seeing patients break down from older operations where we didn't take these deformity principles into account, certainly I'm not saying that every sort of lumboccal tumor should be a T11 or a T10 pelvis fusion, but it is something to think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit here is, is the, the treatment of patients with myeloma. And Dan, I wonder if you could, if you could uh, expand upon that in terms of what, what are you seeing in, in patients who have these kyphotic deformities with, with myeloma?
0: Yeah, it's a great question because kind of, kind of uh, platform or, or springboard off what Larry said, some of the biggest drivers of patient satisfaction or dissatisfaction are their alignment goals, which we hear this every meeting with deformity. We actually hear that even a T-lift should be a deformity operation, right? You don't want to flap back a patient, yet uh, when we sit there and a patient, by the, by the grace of God, has myeloma that's treated and maybe a bone marrow transplant, all these things, the patient has a long-term survival, yet they have 10 levels of, of kyphotic fractures of, of, of of pathologic fractures, and you sit there and tell them you're doing great, these patients are in horrible, horrible condition. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that every myeloma should be operated on. That doesn't mean that every patient with cancer should be considered a tumor, I mean, should be considered a deformity operation. But I think as we live in the cancer world and in the cancer hospitals, and we, for lack of a better term, pat ourselves on the back when we have a success oncologically, that the patient comes in and has a chin on chest deformity or a big cervical kyphosis, and they really are are suffering a great deal. That what we're doing now is we're taking our step back and we're not just looking at a cancer control, which in theory should be everything, or maybe a neurological benefit, which is everything. Deformity is up there because if we get what we want and they live a long time and they're neurologically intact, they are only going to be complaining about their poor quality of life based on, on that. So when we think about myeloma, I think it's an archetypal case because you could have many, many thoracic fractures and the patient is bent over like a hunchback and they're told nothing to do, congratulations, you're doing well. I think that's gonna change the paradigm. We gotta think a little bit more broadly.
1: I completely agree. Uh, you know, Larry, what, what you were saying earlier really resonated. I, you know, I've, I have a patient, say, that comes back and I'm so so happy and they're happy that they don't have any cancer, but they're in terrible pain right. and they are they're, they're have a positive sagittal balance. Right. Um, and the problem that I have at that point is I think, well, now I can do a deformity surgery <laughs> after I've already done this other surgery and right. they don't want any part of it. Right. Um, and it, because it's fairly morbid, but you know, how, how do you manage that? When you see a patient that comes back, and maybe it's my patient that goes to see you because <laughs> they've got a spot of deformity, what, what do you, how, do you, how do you balance that? You're going to put them
2: through another large operation and try to correct their deformity. How, how do you have that discussion? I think that for the most part, the patients it's a a very unique group of patients because they're actually very happy at their oncologic outcome, right? And they don't actually blame you or the surgical team for like the pain that they're experiencing as essentially a complication of the fusion itself. So I think that for the most part, my experience has been that we're starting off with very good equity. These patients are very happy with how they're doing. They're presumably seeing you a couple of years out from the surgery because they're doing well, and I think that. It takes some convincing, of course, to talk about sort of we have to do a three-com osteotomy or extend your fusion or whatnot, but I feel like for the most part, as long as you have a good sort of patient-doctor-patient doc, uh, relationship, I feel like they're very open to the idea of, sort of another secondary deformity operation to try to improve their quality of life. I feel like back in the day where we used to do sacrectomies on the Andrews table, Right, we would. That would I, I feel like regularly we would see patients a couple of years out, and we flatted them so poorly at their lumbo sacral junction that like, oh yeah, like I I can't stand up straight. I'm tumor free, but I can't stand up straight. And I think that those patients invariably got an extension of effusion. And I think that I think that those patients did very well long term. So I think that. Because as I'm growing my practice, I feel like I've seen more of these complications. That's definitely a concept that, at least even when I was training, that was not a concept that we even talked about, where, oh, you have a patient with uh, sacral chordoma. Let's not make sure that we flat their level of sacral junction. Right? That's something that we never talked about. I don't think these patients ever got standing scoliosis x-rays.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. And, and clearly, Dan, with, with your... your uh, uh, tremendous experience in deformity. You were probably thinking about this earlier than, than most of us, probably certainly more earlier than I was, but i that's not something that I was considering. You know, I was thinking about the tumor, the tumor, the tumor. It wasn't until after people like you had kind of identified this other problem and, and explained this to us that, that, I, that I started to see it. When did you start to really uh, consider it in your preoperative planning and, and in your in, in techniques?
0: Yeah, and no, I thank you for that, that question. I, I think for me, Joe, and maybe this has happened to both of you as well, I feel like there 's an infinite way that we treat patients, but for me i 'm starting to see patterns in my own practice, and I find that the metastatic lesions um, I, I try to go smaller you know i 've been going smaller and smaller because we have usually some adjuvant treatments that respond maybe they 're frail, maybe they 're uh, at, at an extreme point of their um, of their of their journey in cancer, and maybe i 'm more willing to um, say we're not going to you know, boil the ocean, we're not going to fix every single alignment parameter because the cost is too much to them. But what I saw is when, when, I, when I had these primary tumors that we had somehow given long-term control to, they looked like my deformity patients. They were a different patient. Even though they both had cancer, they looked more like the deformity patients because they were sitting there going, yeah, another study with no tumor and that's cool, but what about the fact that I'm crooked? What about the fact that I'm stooped forward? And I saw that as we were creating, you know, collecting data for deformity patients on all these quality of life factors, the quality of life uh, factors we were asking for the cancer patients were, you know, are you nauseous, are you sick because you're taking chemotherapy? The primaries looked like the deformity patients. And so I found myself going, this is the driver here and uh, you can hope and you can put your head in the sand and say deformity doesn't matter on these patients. But as I said before, if you get it right and you're lucky enough to get a long-term survival they will start complaining you about lack of flexibility or a junctional issue or hardware failure, which is the same thing in deforming, broken rods. And uh, I remember, it, used to, it sounds terrible now, but I used to say to patients, congratulations, you got a broken rod, that means you've been out for so many years, right. and that's rude. You know, that I meant to, to say that we've you know we been taking <laughs> care of you so long, but now I look at it and go, I can't believe I said that, this is terrible. We should be treating them and, and hopefully having a long-term durability. So I guess the answer to your question is, the primaries look more like the deformed patients than they even look like the metastatic
2: patients in, the, in, in my experience. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I, I even feel like for the metast- for the oligometastatic patients or the solitary metastases patients, they behave a little bit differently too, right? I think that traditionally we never even, for a metastatic patient, we never even considered like, oh, it's really kyphotic at the thoracic apex. Let's just decompress and, put in a cage possibly and then get out of there, right? And I think that for the patients that are oligo or solitary metastatic disease, I think that although you can say that it's not a direct correlation, but part of the reason why they have that rod fracture a year and a half out is because their underlying kyphosis or deformity wasn't addressed. So you can even make an argument that sort of like the, the early hardware problems that we're seeing from the sort of the metastatic operations are... Oh, definitely an element of an underlying deformity issue that led to that, possibly.
1: That's yeah, a good point. I, I've been blaming all my rod fractures on radiation, but apparently, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's maybe it's my, my surgery after all.
0: <laughs> you know, one thing to think about as we kind of go into this, that just as we're bringing this up and people are going to think about it more, maybe with this with this event today, is also to 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 be conservative though, uh, in the fact that. What I don't want to see in the tumor population is what I saw happen in the degenerative population where patients had lumbar stenosis and were bent a little forward because they were auto-decompressing themselves. And maybe it wasn't a real flat back. It wasn't a degenerative flat back. It was just an antalgic position where they would find themselves and people would put up a scan on a standing film and say, T10 to pelvis because we need to restore the alignment. When in reality, they might just need a decompression. What I hope we don't make the same mistake as we kind of go into this new area is we don't see every tumor patient right. as a massive chance to do a perfect alignment because right. the stakes are high in the DGEN population. The stakes are high in the deformed population. The stakes are even higher in the deformed tumor population. So we should, should we should walk uh, lightly, uh, but think about these things and, and hope for that together we can make some good judgments on these issues.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you.